Amen. You may be seated. Welcome back. We are going to be back in the book of John tonight. John chapter 7. The last several messages we've been seeing Christ as He went up to the Jews' Feast of Tabernacles. uh, Went in secret and tried to stay in secret but ended up teaching in the temple. and uh, Just some great doctrine that's come out of this and uh, some challenging doctrine as, as challenging truth as Christ has pointed out the hypocrisy of the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin, and even those that were listening and how they uh, refused to know God, refused to do His service, refused to do His will, and therefore could not know Him. Uh, we left off last week uh, with verse 27. Um, and uh, them... The, the people that were listening trying to understand that they know who the, they think they know who Christ is. They think they know uh, where He's from and yet uh, they have no idea. The religious leaders were stuck in their own pride and could not see the error of their ways. Uh, Christ encouraged all to judge righteous judgment and not according to how things appear. To seek the truth, not just what was presented. And this this even now sounds like it could have been ripped out of the headlines of here in the United States or any country around the world in the last couple of years as people just blindly accepted what was told them and didn't do the research, didn't think for themselves, didn't look for themselves, and they've just followed along. Today, Christ is going to begin uh, pleading for all those that are present to know and understand who He is, to truly seek for who He is. And He also gives us a little glimpse into what's to come. So, John chapter 7, we're going to start again in verse number 27 uh, and read down through verse number 31. And John chapter 7 and verse number 27 says, Howbeit we know this man, whence he is, but when Christ cometh, no man knoweth whence he is. Then cried Jesus in the temple as he taught, saying, Ye both know me, and ye know whence I am, and I am not come of myself. But he that sent me is true, whom ye know not. But I know him, for I am from him, and he hath sent me. Then they sought to take him, but no man laid hands on him, because his hour was not yet come. And many of the people believed on him and said, Whom, When Christ cometh, will he do more miracles than these which this man hath done? The Pharisees heard that the people murmured such things concerning him, and the Pharisees and the chief priests sent officers to take him. Then said Jesus unto them, Yet a little while I am with you, and when I go unto him that sent me, you shall seek me and shall not find me. And where I am, thither you cannot come. Let's pray. Father God, again, we love you. We thank you for this truth. We thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for the beautiful weather, the visitors this morning, the encouragement. Lord, I pray today that you would again encourage our hearts, that you would speak to us tonight. Lord, that you would peel back another layer in our lives that is not serving you, that you would show us exactly where we need to turn and how we need to follow you. Lord, that we can do your will and know your doctrine and know you and never have to doubt again that we are yours. So Lord, please guide and direct. Help us through the words of Christ today. We love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Christ stands up in the temple and he cries, You know me. The people had just decided, We know this man, yet how does he know this doctrine? And Christ says, you know me. I've given you the evidence. Go back to John 3. 
John 3 and verse number 2. Again, this is Nicodemus coming to Christ by night. John 3 and verse number 2 says, The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Christ had given them abundant evidence of who he was. And yet, it still wasn't sinking in. The truth is that no man could do the miracle, these miracles except that God had sent him. It's plainly obvious today as we have the whole history, we have the whole book, and we can see the beginning and the end, but it should have been plainly obvious for them even at that time that not only was he sent by God, he was God. He was the very Messiah. But just like today, Israel's heart was hard, and they couldn't see the signs. It's not that they couldn't see the signs, it's that they refused to see the signs. Last week I made a comment about going to Ames on a Saturday when Iowa State was playing, and of course this week I decided to make that same mistake. Even after Miss Pam called me on Monday morning and reminded me that the Iowa-Iowa State game was in Ames this weekend, I had to go get a part for the truck. Um, it wasn't running, and uh, I hadn't been feeling well all week and was able to finally figure out what was wrong with it, and we just we decided to go. But I used it as a learning experience for Wyatt. And uh, as we, I got up, I woke him up, and, and I said, Hey, you want to go to Ames with me? And he said, Sure. And we got in the car, and I said, now listen, the Iowa-Iowa State football game is today in Ames. It's going to be really busy. You've never driven in town before. You've driven through Marshalltown, down Main Street, through the stop signs, but you've never driven through city traffic. Do you want me to drive, or do you want to drive? He said, sure, I'll drive. He missed the signs. <laughs> they were already... At 8.30 or 9 o'clock, before 9 o'clock in the morning, the game didn't start till 2.30, they were already lined up bumper to bumper from the stadium exit, the two miles all the way back to South Duff. Duff was completely solid uh, to the first exit to go, to, the, to go off by the old Kmart. It was a mess. And when we left, like 30 minutes later, they were lined up to the next exit still, bumper to bumper. They were almost all the way back to the interstate, bumper to bumper, not moving, trying to get to the game that didn't start for like five and a half hours. But praise the Lord, he made it through it. He didn't kill us. He didn't wreck. He didn't cause anybody else to wreck. And it was a great experience. It was probably almost as good as my first experience driving in the city when I tried to kill my friend and I on the interstate up in Minneapolis. I... Uh, dumped the clutch on my my mom's S10 and killed it uh, as I was trying to merge onto the interstate and had a semi coming up behind me at about 70 miles an hour and had to hurry up and get out of the way. Thankfully, I got out of the way because uh, he was not happy. He was laying on his horn. But the Jews have missed all of these signs. They've seen the evidence. They, they should have, beyond the shadow of a doubt, known who Christ was. And this hits home for me. I've told you many times, before uh, Abby was born, I was what you would call an agnostic. I, was, I, I, I didn't believe that God existed because I couldn't see the evidence of His existence. 
Yet, as I looked around, my scientific mind desiring to know how the plants worked and the cells and the plants and, and loving all of those things, it was right there. But I couldn't see that that could not have just happened by chance. We talked about the giraffe this morning. There's absolutely no way that that animal evolved. There's no way possible. Because it would have died. They all would have died immediately. For us, there's no way that we could have evolved from anything else. We had to be created the way that we are. Which, and thankfully, God doesn't make any mistakes. I know Josiah is the way he is, but it wasn't a mistake. God did it on purpose. Anyway, God created us exactly the way we are so that we could see Him even in us. It took something very traumatic in my life to get me to understand that there was something different, something that I was missing, something that I needed to seek. And God began to work. And I'm so thankful that He did because now <laughs> we can see, we can look at this book. I had read parts and bits of the Bible as a young man growing up. I had heard stories. I had heard about David and Goliath. I had heard about Noah. I had heard those stories in Sunday school. But I just missed the evidence. had missed the hand of God. The Jews thought they knew who this man was, but they didn't. And he points that out. He says, you know me, but you don't know the man that sent me. You don't know the one that sent me. You don't know God. Jesus wasn't pulling any punches. He said, if you cannot see who I am, then you don't know the one that sent me. Imagine the Pharisees and the scribes, the Sanhedrin, all those people who had spent their entire lives studying the books, rewriting, not, not rewriting, copying, copying God's Word, the books from Moses, from Samuel, from <clears throat> all of the Old Testament. They, <laughs> My wife is laughing because I'm still going through puberty. We go through it again as we get older. I don't know why. But anyway. They had spent their entire lives diligently copying the Word of God. Diligently reading and studying the Word of God. The rabbis, Nicodemus himself, we looked at it in John chapter 3, couldn't quite understand who Christ was. And he had spent his life studying God's Word. Imagine being told that you don't know the person that you've been following your whole life. But that's exactly what Christ was tell, telling this religious crowd. As we saw last week, those that don't obey His will don't know Him. Matthew 7. Matthew 7, verses 22 through 24. These are some of the saddest verses that you will ever read in the Bible. Start in verse number 21. It says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works, and then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and 
doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. Luke 13. Luke 13 is telling the story again, telling this, this example again. Luke 13, verse number 25. Verse number 24. But in those days, after the tribulation, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars of heaven shall fall, and the powers, <clears throat> and the powers shall that are in heaven shall be shaken. And then shall they see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory, and then shall he send his angels. I am in the wrong place. It's good though, I'll keep going. And then shall he see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then shall he send his angels and shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from the uttermost part of the earth to the uttermost part of heaven. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. When her branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, ye know that summer is near. So ye in like manner, when ye shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh even at the door verily i say unto you that this generation shall not pass till all these things be done heaven and earth shall pass away but my words shall not pass away that's not what i wanted to read but it ties in we time is short even today we are missing the signs we that have even come to know the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior are missing the signs of the times. As we travel, I'm, as we, I'm trying to teach Abby and Wyatt how to drive, I'm pointing out that the road signs and the different colors and the different meanings and their different placements. I don't know if you guys have realized this or not, but the, the street markers, especially in the county, are placed in a specific way. If, they're, if the road doesn't go all the way through, they're placed on one side of the street. If the road goes all the way through, they're placed on another, depending on which direction you're going. They're colored. They're color-coded. Green is information. Brown is information. Points of interest. Yellow is warnings. Red is, is uh, desperate warnings, like stop or yield. These are all signs that we know, that we understand, that we can glance at and see that something is coming that we need to pay attention to. Yet, as we go through the Bible and see what's going on in the world, we're missing the signs. Christ was giving the straight truth. These men that He was speaking to, that He was, he was pleading with. That's why I was, in the, I was in the wrong chapter. I was in the wrong book. These men that he was pleading with were missing the signs. Sorry, Luke chapter 13. I was in Mark chapter 13 and verse number 24. says, Strive to enter in at the straight gate. For many, I say unto you, will seek to enter in and shall not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and has shut the door, and ye begin to stand without and to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us. And... He shall answer and say unto you, I know ye not when ye are. Then shall ye begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But he shall say, I tell you, I know ye not when ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When ye shall see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, and you yourselves thrust out. 
And they shall come from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south and shall sit down in the kingdom of God. And behold, there are last which shall be first and there are first which shall be last. These men that had spent their whole lives serving God and, and, and were serving a false god. They were serving an idol. They were serving a god that they had made of their own because they were interpreting God's word instead of looking and making just and righteous judgments. They were judging on the appearance instead of seeking God's face. Many that call themselves Christians today will face the sad truth that when they pass on from this earth, all their work and labor was in vain because they didn't come to God the way that God had prepared for them. Instead, they come, tried to come on their own terms, creating a false God. Truth is truth. Truth was truth then, it's truth now, and it's truth forever. It does not change. It's black and white. It is not gray. It is plain, simple truth. The people that gathered around and, and were hearing this began to murmur. In verse number 31 it says, And many of the people believed on Him and said, When Christ cometh, will He do more miracles than these which this man hath done? As you read this, you might think that this is a, a weird statement, that they believed on Him, but then they're questioning, When Christ comes, will they do more miracles? Well, there's two reasons for this. Many of those people believed on Him. They didn't believe in Him. They believed that He was sent from God. They believed that God was allowing Him to do these miracles, but they didn't believe that He was the Messiah. But some were also questioning. We're trying to prove the point. He's already done so many miracles. He's already done so much and given so much evidence. If He's not the Christ, what is the Christ going to do? Who could possibly do more than this man? He must be the Christ. And this, this question changed the course of the religious leaders. Christ's statement, you do not know God, changed the course of the, of the leaders there. They sought to, to lay hands on Him. They sought to take Him. And Christ simply stated, it's not my time. They could not lay hands on Him because it was not His time. We have to never forget that. How many times did they seek to stone Him? Did they seek to kill Him? And they could not because it was not the proper time. Thinking of this reminds me of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is one of my favorite men in the Bible. Uh, Nehemiah is a picture of a man's man. The man that we should all strive to be. Nehemiah was taken into captivity and served the king as the cupbearer. And when he heard that Jerusalem was broken down, it grieved him in his heart. And when he was asked, he went boldly before the king and asked to go and rebuild his home. To check on his family, to check on his brethren. And the king granted him. God, God allowed all of that. And Nehemiah went in and, and he gathered the people and he gathered the materials and he began to build the wall and he faced adversity after adversity after adversity. And he stood strong. He stood prepared for battle but safe in the knowledge that God, he was doing God's will. 
probably my favorite couple of verses. Nehemiah chapter 13. Esther, sorry, Nehemiah, then Esther, then Job. Nehemiah chapter 13. Starting in verse number 19. And it came to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, I commanded that the gates should be shut and charged that they should not be opened till after the Sabbath. And some of my servants sat I at the gates that there should no burden be brought in on the Sabbath day. So the merchants and the sellers of all kinds of ware lodged without Jerusalem once or twice. Then I testified against them and said unto them, Why lodge ye about the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. From that time forth came they no more on the Sabbath. He didn't, the Bible doesn't tell us that he took out an army. He didn't take out a legion of armed men to run these men off. He simply went out and stood to them and said, if you come here again, I will lay hands on you. If you tempt us to break God's law again, I will lay hands on you and you will regret it. And they left. He didn't tell them that they couldn't come in and sell their their thing, their, their stuff, their merchandise any other day, just not on the Sabbath day. Nehemiah was a man of conviction, a man of strength. He had presence. I can only imagine Christ having this same presence as he's boldly preaching in the temple and the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees hate him so much they want to take him, yet they can't. I think about the night he was crucified or the, the night he was, he was arrested. As he sat in the garden praying and the, the Judas brought the group to arrest him and they come up and... and he says, Whom seek ye? And the great army of men says, We seek Jesus of Nazareth. And he says, I am he. And immediately they're all falling down on the ground. And then they stand up and he says, Now, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am he. He said, If you seek me, leave these that are with me alone. His presence was unmatched. So we have to never forget that the fact that He is then in the garden after He's wiped out the, the whole army, He's laid them out flat, He willingly goes. He willingly goes to be tried, to be falsely accused, to be tortured, to be beaten, to be crucified. No one could have done that until it was time. Until his time had fully come. All of this only magnifies the, that fact that when it was his time, he allowed such cruelty to come to him. He loved us that much. And the truth is, when Christ returns to this earth, no, he won't do more miracles than what he's already done. He won't return to this earth coming to heal and to save. He'll return to this earth as the conquering king. The time for signs and wonders is past. They weren't heeded. At His second coming, He's coming as the conquering king to rule and reign with an iron fist. 
The Bible tells us that every knee will bow, that every tongue will confess that He is Lord. Now they won't confess that He is Savior. They'll confess that He is Lord ruling here on earth. And we know that in the end, they're going to rebel. They're going to try and and rise up against Him and they're all going to be cast into the lake of fire. The words of His mouth will go out like a sharp two-edged sword. The armies that have gathered against Him will be destroyed. Grace and mercy will no longer be on the table. The Bible tells us that the blood will run as deep as the horse's bridle in the valley of Megiddo. If you don't already know that Christ is Lord and Savior, your time is growing short and ever shorter. It's time to wake up. For us as Christians, it's time to stop ignoring the signs. As Christ taught, He taught the the people, look, you look at the harvest and say it's yet four months until the harvest. I say the harvest is ripe already. It's September. We've seen tractor after tractor, combines in the fields. We know that they're taking in the harvest. It's going to be a mess for the next several months going up and down these country roads, navigating around all the tractors. The leaves are going to start changing. It's time for us to step up. It's time for us to make sure that we are doing His will so we can know the doctrine of God, so we can truly know Him and have that peace and assurance that Gideon had as we talked about this morning that he was exactly where God wanted him to be. Because the days are not going to get any easier. I pray that we will have a great revival in this country, in this state, and even in this town. But it's not going to get any easier for us. If you watch the news, if you you, uh, see what some in our government are planning, it's a mess. That doesn't mean we need to deviate from the path that God has us on as long as we're on His path. doesn't mean that we need to be worried. We need to be prepared. But we need to understand that safety is of the Lord. 